You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. This is not the end. You will get to finish that conversation afterwards between services. It's a great opportunity. If you want to stick around until after second service, we'll actually have some snacks out in the lobby, and uh, you can take that conversation there. But one of the things um, I think about the New Testament church, the New Testament church was about a few important things, like Bible and teaching. It was about prayer. But it's also about community. Community. God works in and through us in our relationships. And those, these little moments are really important. Um, people walk through the doors, and I know they might be afraid. Um, maybe I don't want you to talk to me. But down deep inside, we need people. And we need a relationship with Christ. Now, we don't want to hover and, you know, uh, stuff, you know, just be over people too much. We want to do this with love. But this is really important. So um, we're going to take a a pause on Nehemiah until next week. Last week, uh, Gary uh, spoke to us a little bit about uh, this topic. He went through like two chapters and unloaded. I felt like I was drinking from a fire hose. Uh, It was so good. Uh, But just I just want to mention some things he talked about. Nehemiah, uh, obviously he was building a wall. That was his project, right? And then trying to build people's hearts as well. And, and then Gary went and took us to, well, we're not building a wall, but we are trying to build our spiritual life. And he mentioned a few things. Uh, one of the things he, uh, he said was that as a church, we gather together uh, to, to create this synergy towards God. Right? And I, I think a few seconds ago, that's the synergy we're talking about. It's, it's we're trying to, Christ is at the center. He's He's the center. He's what we're about. But there's a synergy as we get together towards God, turning our hearts towards him. Another thing he said is we gather to encourage each other toward love and good deeds, right? To love God and to act it out. Um, He brought a quote from a pastor that said this, the gospel is about relationships which are strengthened when we gather, the gospel is about relationships which are strengthened when we gather. And specifically, he mentioned the passage we're going to be talking about today. So we're going to uh, take a pause from Nehemiah. We're going to go back to our, our John series. We're going to talk about John 17, where Jesus prays this prayer for us. Tim read it earlier, um, but it, it, we're, it, we're going to be talking about that. And, and when Gary brought this up, he said he pointed out that we participate in the very life of God. And out of that passage, Jesus prayed. He said, may uh, they be in us. That's about presence. It's about being in relationship, connected. So if we go back to Nehemiah's time, he was building a wall. We also have a project. And Gary mentioned, you know, building our spiritual life. I'd like to broaden that. It's called the Great Commission. Right? That's, that's our mission, to go and make Jesus' followers, make disciples of all people. So today we look at that. We're going to turn to John 17, if you have your Bible. We're going to be in verses 20 through 23. And uh, this passage is about Jesus praying. His prayer is for unity. 
He prays for unity way back when, uh, way back then. He, he prays, and this is his heart. So here it is. My prayer is not for them alone, not his disciples at the time, right? I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and I have loved them even as you have loved me. So that's his prayer. And uh, as, as I think about this passage, um, Jesus prays for his disciples, right? He prays um, not for them alone. But he prays for those who would believe in, in, in the message through their witness. Who's that? Who is he praying for? Us. He was praying for me. If you believe in Christ and you're a Jesus follower, Jesus prayed for you. Not only did he pray for you, but he prayed for those who would believe because of your witness. Right? Because that's who I am. I am one who believed because of their witness. But he's also praying for those who would believe because of my witness. So I just think that is absolutely amazing. This is my Jesus. This is our Jesus, someone who cares about us, that when he was living and he's about to go to the cross, he's thinking about me, right? He, uh, Hebrews says, that for the joy set before him. I am his joy. You are his joy. That's, that's who Jesus is talking about. So he, for those who will believe in me through their message, and that's you and me. Um, and one of the things I, I love about this is when he prays, he, he prays for unity. That word, unity, what does it mean? Because we can be united around a lot of different things and maybe not necessarily good things. But when Jesus is praying for unity, I'm think, I think about three things that I think uh, he, he wants us uh, to be united in. And, and there are more. Like I think of uh, worship, but maybe it falls into one of these categories. But here are three that I just want to mention. One is unity in love, right? Unity in purpose and unity in action. When I think of unity in of, of love, uh, someone asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment, right? And in Matthew twenty two thirty seven, 37, uh, Jesus answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. I think of that first part. Uh, a few chapters before, even during this dinner, Jesus talked about uh, rem remaining. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. And he talked about remain in me. So uh, I think of, that's, that's my picture of love. Love is about remaining in a relationship, connecting in that relationship. I think of my wife and I. I pursue love when I'm pursuing a relationship with her. When, I, when, I, when I'm trying to be connected, when I, I communicate, we share our thoughts, we share our dreams, uh, we're connected. I get to know her. Uh, I get to uh, maybe buy a gift that tells her I know her. These are the... This is the way it is with, with Christ. And when he mentions the greatest commandments, the, the first one is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And one of the greatest ways we love God is we worship him. 
<laughs> we, we tell him, uh, Lord, I lift your name on high. And we start thinking about the name of God and who is he. That's worship, right? So we want to uh, do three things. We want to be with Jesus. We want to be like Jesus. And we want to do what Jesus does. But um, this first piece is love. Love God and love your neighbor. If I'm loving God, right, I wanna, I'm going to love the people around me. That's unity. Um, the second one is purpose. And when I think about purpose, it, it, my, in my mind, uh, Philippians 2 comes where it says this, that we are to have the mind of Christ. Paul says this, have the mind of Christ. And then he goes on to tell us the mind of Christ. He says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in an appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now, um, I've lived in different cultures, and I've gotten up from one and moved to another one, and then moved back to another one. Uh, we lived in Bolivia, I lived in Paraguay, lived here, lived in North Dakota, that's another country. Um, <laughs> Okay, no, it's not. But, but um, when you get up and you move, you know, it, it, you leave everything behind. You think about Jesus and his culture before he moved to this earth. Sitting on a throne. Okay, maybe, maybe, I'm, maybe it's not quite the picture, but he's enthroned. He's full of majesty and glory, surrounded by millions of angels. Comfort? Absolutely. And he chooses to put aside his, his nature. His, his, to, he doesn't hang on to his identity. His, his, his uh, Gary would say it this way, right? His badge of who he is. He puts that aside and he chooses to come and he clothes himself in humanity. He becomes a baby, right? Who depends on a mom and he has to learn to live life. And as he learns, it says he became obedient. The Bible says he learned obedience. Jesus learned, and then as he, as he lived his life, he kept coming, he just grew in relationship. Um, and then in the end, he goes to not any death, but a death that is shameful. He dies as a criminal, not for something he did, but he does it for me because I deserve that death. He does it for you. He takes the form of a servant and he comes to serve us. And he pictured, he, he actually lived this out during this, the context of this passage that we're talking about when he washed his disciples' feet. Can you imagine watching, washing Judas' feet? But that's what Jesus does. He left his place of glory and came to humanity. And so this is what he invites us into when it comes to unity, to have the mind of Christ. What does that look like for me? What does it look like for me to go and do that at home or at work or in my church, right? And the last piece here is action. Do what Jesus does. 
And, and, and Jesus, after he calls his disciples, he walks with them, teaches them how to, how to be a Jesus follower. He, he takes us to Matthew 28, where he says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Action. Make disciples. That's what Jesus did. And I want to be like Jesus. So those three things at Grace Community Church, we've, we've decided um, that we've, we've defined what a disciple is. What, what is a disciple? And it's basically three things. And it's easy to remember if you remember the underlined words up here, with, like, and do. Right? With, like, and do. First one is, I want to be with Jesus. It's about presence. It's about loving God. Right? That's, that's, that's what we do. It's about being like Jesus. I want to be conformed to his image. I want to be like him. I want his character to transform me. I don't want to give up on my character and just settle in. You know, and last, do what Jesus does. What did he do? And the, greatest, the great commission is go and make disciples. Go and make other Jesus followers. That's, that's, that's what we do. So in this passage, um, Jesus, Jesus prayed for unity, Right? That was his prayer. So if I want to be like Jesus, what, is, what does prayer look like? What does my prayer look like if I want to be like Jesus? Do I pray for unity? Do I pray for unity at home? Do I pray for unity um, in, in my relationships, maybe at work? There are sometimes difficult situations. Am I praying for unity? What about the church? Am I praying for unity in the church? And um, what, is, what does prayer look like in, in different areas? I'm going to dive into a little bit of what does, what does my prayer for unity look like here at Grace Community Church. And it's also, just so you know, it's also called Comunidad de Gracia. So Comunidad de Gracia, we generally refer to the third service as Comunidad de Gracia. And there are three, th three services. This is the first one. I'm not often here, so I don't necessarily get to know a lot of you really well. I'm usually at second, right? Um, but all of us have, each service has like its own culture. But there are three services, and the third one's obviously pretty different. But we're all one church, and what I'd like to just talk about is a few years ago, is about 2012, when uh, the Hispanic group used to meet in this little room called the Great Room. And uh, I remember they asked me to become th their pastor, and I really didn't want to do it, but God said, I want you to do it. It's so like, okay, fine. So uh, I stepped into that role, and as I stepped into the role and I started rubbing shoulders with different people in the building, sometimes I rubbed shoulders with Jerry Smith or others, I started asking the question, I started wondering, what does God want? And one of the things that, that, that uh, Don, that just kind of was impressed on me, was God saying, comunidad, you guys who meet in this room, you're my children. And then the people who meet in the morning, the Anglos, you guys, <laughs> you're my children. And... I started wondering, what would it look like if we saw things the way God sees them? And I started asking the question, and I asked, I remember talking to Jerry Smith, Jay, Joby, uh, and we just started having this conversation. What would it look like for Comunidad to be part of grace, for us to see uh, this the way I think God sees it? 
And we had these conversations for, 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 for quite a while, and I think they went for at least a couple years. And in 2015, in September of 2015, um, from here, I remember Jay saying, we've become one church with Comunidad. We weren't even sure what that looked like. <laughs> what does that mean? But, but we decided this is the right thing. God sees us this way. Let's see it his way, and let's try to figure it out. And then I was asked, hey, Gabe, would you help us figure out what this looks like? And I kind of felt like the adopted child who comes into a house and is asked, hey, would you tell me what's yours in this house? And I wasn't sure how to figure that out, but it took about a year or two, and then I finally realized, I can't do this. So I went back, and I talked to the elders and said, look, if we really want to see unity, we need to see us own this from the elders down. It needs to be owned from the English side because the little brother is actually the Hispanic congregation, and they're the ones being adopted in. So we formed this integration team, that's what we called it, and it was a, a team made up of different people from both congregations, and their job was take a look at the congregation and, and tell the elders, what, what would you recommend? And so it was Susan Sloan, Daryl, Broadsword, Scott Copeland, there were a bunch, Fermin, Cindy, I'm not sure if Cindy was, but there were a number of different people from both sides, Juan Escutia, and we met, and we met for a few months, and we just talked about, we met, we then just talked about, what does this look like, what does this look like? And they came up with 16 points, recommendations, on, on changes that maybe we need to make to be more uh, connected. And some of those were things like, Maybe we can put signage in the building that is in English and Spanish. What if our website was not just English and Spanish? Did you know we have a Spanish website that is exactly parallel to the English side? If you go to the English website and you go to the bottom right, it says Espanol. Click on it and it'll open the same page, but it's the Spanish side and it is the Spanish the Spanish website for, for Comunidad, for Grace Community Church in Spanish. And all our events, are, some of the events are different, but it, that's one of those things that we did. There were a number of other things that, that happened. We started talking about ministry leaders, um, the talking from the English side and the Spanish side, so things like missions, uh, student ministry, and things trying to be more connected, events, doing more events together, like when we serve East Gresham, how do we do this better together? Because the purpose, love God, Right? purpose and action, we can do this better together. When I take a look at what our community looks like, take 10 people from East Gresham or 10 people from any of our schools, put them together, and it's a mix. It's like, how do we reach people for Christ and do this well together, right? And so we had these conversations about what it looked like to become one church. What did it look like and to become more united and so I will come back to that story about the integration and how it happens. But I want to go back to what Jesus said here in this passage. He said that all of them may be one. Right? That all of them may be one. His prayer was, was for unity. Do I pray like Jesus? I already asked this question. I'm going to keep going. Um, but here, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. And then he says... I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. So in, in these two verses, one of the things that I see, uh, you weren't supposed to see the Spanish side. It wasn't supposed to be in this PowerPoint, but it is. But uh, it's okay. It'll be for the next service. Uh, unity reflects the image and glory of God. 
when we are united, one of the things that happens is we're reflecting the, the image and glory of God. We believe in God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God. Three persons, one God. Uh, Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? Three persons, one God. When I think about things like love or honor or, um, I don't know, respect, loyalty, you know, these things, they come from the very nature of God. That's his character. How can that be his character if he's just one person? If he was one person, it could... Where do you get that from? But three persons in complete unity? That is a beautiful picture. And you go back to Genesis, and he said God makes man and woman, and in the image of God, he created them. That's how he made us, to display the very nature of God. And yeah, sin came into the world and just destroyed that thing. It brought division and it brings separation. And this picture that is supposed to be a beautiful picture of God is marred. And, yet, and then Jesus comes on the scene and he goes to the cross and he restores the, the opportunity, the possibility for us to live in that picture, to reflect the image of God. This is who Jesus is. So we, we display the image of God. We also display his glory. Uh, glory, the word glory is, it means a state of high honor. And so when Jesus shares his glory with us, his death on the cross purchases us, he buys us, he redeems us, he calls us his redeemed. What else does he call us? The children of God, adopted, chosen people, holy nation, kingdom of priests. I love uh, 1 John 3, uh, behold, you know, he says, we are... We are children of God, and that's what we are. He has this, this is the picture of who we are. What kind of glory did Jesus display? Well, if we go back and, and just think about it, Hebrews 1.3 says, The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. So when I look at Jesus, I can learn, I can see the glory of God in him, and I can see how I'm living this out, right? Uh, the kind of glory that, that empties himself, which we saw in Philippians 2, the kind of glory that washes other people's feet, the kind of glory that heals the sick, welcomes the outcast, elevates women and children, the kind of glory that sees those that we don't normally see, the kind that hurts when people, when, when a loved one is lost. When I first came to Comunidad, their pastor had just died. Tim's dad, the guy who was singing, and there was a group of like 30 or 40 people. And uh, it was a hurting church, hurting group. And, and to see people come and, and try to do church together and be in pain, it was something else. But people crying with each other. And there are those moments and there are other moments where you enjoy life together, where you sit and eat a meal. That kind of joy. Jesus, Jesus lived that out with his disciples. Um, the kind that prays for his neighbor. Think of uh, this brother named Chewy. He'll probably be here next service. But uh, he's known as the uh, kind of the padrino, or the godfather <laughs> of, the, his, of, of, his, of his clan, of his group. He's from Michoacan. And a lot of people just, 
esteem him. He's highly respected. He's been a cook for like 30 years. Now he's in construction. Uh, but but uh, he's a very quiet guy. Uh, he's native. He speaks his native language. So when you interact with him, he, he's even gone to like theological schools and, and training and things like that. But you ask him to get up and like teach or, or even like share his testimony, he's probably going to hide. <laughs> That's not him. But you ask him to like cook a meal and be hospitable, oh my goodness, he is, there's nobody like him. He's really, really good. Um, but I remember asking Chewie and these guys, how can we pray for, can we pray for our neighbors? He said, yeah, I can do that. So he went to this guy, and, and I probably mentioned the story before, but he went to this guy named Mariano and prayed for him. And just asked, how are you doing? You know, and, and can I pray, for, how can I pray for you? And Mariano said, you know, uh, well, my, my dad's passing away. He's got cancer. Could you, could, could you pray for him? So he said, yeah. And the next week, Chewie came by and said, how's your dad? And the following week, he came and said, how's your dad? And Mariano started coming to church, and he sat right back there. And he started listening to the sermons, and one day he texts me, he texts me this message that said, I think what you guys are doing is you're sending out life preservers, and I'm not sure anybody's really grabbing them. And then a couple of weeks after that, he texted me, Jesus is my life. And he came to Christ, and his whole life was transformed. He became, uh, he was with a lady, but not married. And so he, started, he proposed to her, and she said no, because she was afraid, because everybody she knew who got married ended up in divorce. So we talked about that. So I got to do their wedding. <laughs> and... Uh, he is a father who loves his husband. He is, he is a husband who loves his wife. He is a father who is present with his kids. His son was back here in a meeting Friday night with a bunch of men. His son with a bunch of men. <laughs> you know, he's like 15, 16. Um, but this is, this is what happens when, when, when the glory of Christ comes and is in us. And my question to you would be, do I display, do I reflect the glory of Jesus? What does that look like in my life? Do I display the character of Christ? Jesus goes on and he says, I in them and you in me, so that they, they may be brought to complete unity. So there is such a thing as incomplete unity. <laughs> well, he's talking about complete unity, but how is, this, how is this unity formed? Well, complete unity is found in relationship between God, me, and others. That's the circle. God, me, and others. And, and we don't find, the, we won't be able to find this unity, this complete unity outside of it. You take God out of this picture, it's not complete. You take other people out of this picture, you're not really completing the circle. We need other people to complete the circle. So I mentioned earlier this integration team that met. Okay, that was in 2019. And that first group met, and we came up with 16 points here. Here's what we recommend to the elders. And the elders went and looked at it. They, they implemented all 16 of them through COVID. <laughs> and then post-COVID, all 16 were implemented. And then around 20, end of 2022, 23, uh, there were a number of other people that were here. There's people showing up, not just Hispanics. Other people are showing up. And we're trying to figure out how do we create a warm culture where, where people are connected. So we still want to do this, do this better, complete, keep working on unity. So we decided to go back and try this again. So we formed a team again, 
and, and they were a different people. This time there was a, Susan again was a part of it, Susan Sloan, who's moved to Canada now, Eric Thompson uh, is part of it, Daryl Broadsword, Sarah Dodds, Cindy, there are a number, uh, these, were, these were Jen Lung was part of this. And so we just started talking. We interviewed, a number of you were probably interviewed. I don't know if you knew if you were interviewed or not, but they basically asked you three questions, and they were about relationships, and, and you know, do you feel heard? What's something we can do to improve? And then they formed these things, and out of those, we came up with about nine points that were like, these are things we can do. And a lot of them were just, we're already doing this, we're already doing this, we're already doing this. Really excited to see this. Uh, but some of those things that were mentioned in the, in the last round, we want to continue to invest in combined events like this one. Uh, we want to work together just in different events. You can think about Church in the Park or our investment in serving our schools. Um, that's one. Uh, ministry leaders partnering Together, I think of our uh, evangelism teams or student ministry. If you go to student ministry on Wednesday nights, now it's a combined. It's 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 kids from both sides, right? It's really it's pretty neat. Uh, Tuesday and Wednesday nights, um, we want to encourage. I love this one. This one came from an interview with one of the guys on our team who we just asked him specifically, well, how would you answer this? You know, um, what's your impression when you come to Grace Community Church? And he said, well. It'd be nice if people were to have uh, more encouraging conversations, uh, courageous conversations. Like, what do you mean by courageous conversations? I said, well, uh, people come to Grace, and, and uh, we walk in, walk out, and I've been here for a few weeks, actually a while now, and, and uh, people connect, um, but it's all superficial. It's how's the weather, you know? Uh, what'd you do this week? Just, just superficial stuff. But he said, but I was really hurting. And to have someone ask, how are you really doing? And be willing to pray. And then to come back a week later and say, how is that going? Kind of like the chewy thing, right? He said, I think one of the things we need to do more and more is have courageous conversations. That's starting with staff. But church, <laughs> we're the church. We're called to do this. Um, Encouraging multi-generational involvement. One of the things we've seen more and more is seeing kids here who will come down and participate in the service or, or be here for baptisms or just sing with us at the end. We want our kids to grow up, and when they hit high school and then they get out of high school, we don't want them to feel like they don't belong here. This is home, right? And so we want to encourage that. So we're trying to take, take some steps towards all of these things. So as we think about these things, what does it look like to grow in unity with God and others for you specifically? I just want you to ask that question. I'd like to invite the worship team back up. As I go into this last, the last point but I just want you to consider that. What does it look like to grow in unity with God and others around me? What are the questions you need to ask? What are the things you need to put in place? Something to ponder this week, something to consider, and then take into action. And in verse 23, Jesus said this, Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you've loved me. Think about this. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you've loved me. When the world sees unity, they see the gospel. 
as we consider the world we live in. The last few years, looking at Portland, I remember walking through Portland. It was a beautiful place years ago. (laughs) And then walking through Portland more recently, and it's just, man, destruction. It's not, it could be a pretty place, but it's not. There are streets that I walk, that you drive on. It's like, what is this? I was just in South America a few weeks ago, and there aren't places like that in one of the poorest countries in South America. And this is what the world sees. This is how, when you you talk about how the world operates, it's divisive, it's broken, relationships are torn. But when you see something like people who are very, very different from each other, you know, liberals and uh, conservatives, or people from different languages, people who would like different foods, different music, when they get together and they're having a good time, It's like, what? How is that possible? And this is possible because of our love for Jesus Christ. He's the one who who does this. In Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26 to 28, Paul said this, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. Look around. It's everybody. That's you. If you have a relationship with Christ, for all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That's what matters, right? There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And it's one thing if anything, as you guys think about this, we said at one point in 2015, we are one church. But the implementation and what that really means in practical living, that's taken years. What is that like in my own life? I could say I love my neighbor. I can say I'm united. I care about. But the implementation, that takes sacrifice. It takes Time, it takes intentionality, it takes investment. So uh, only Jesus can do this. Why? So they may know. So they may know that God loves you. There is a place where you are seen, where you're known, and you belong. That's in the family of Christ. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, man, I would love to invite you. I would love for you to meet my Jesus. I would love for you to meet, we would love for you to meet our Jesus. He can heal your life. He can bring joy into the darkest places of your life. And if you already know Jesus, then this is a celebration. So I'd like to invite you to to worship, to respond in worship and praise the one who's made us his. A few weeks ago, I got to uh, 
take my family to Paraguay. Uh, it was a long time before I, it had been at least 15 years since I'd been there. Uh, but one of the things we got to do as a family, uh, how many of you have seen parrots in the wild? Like, okay, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> um, they are absolutely like amazing to watch. Um, when they fly, they fly in hundreds or thousands, and, and they're noisy, really loud. Um, but they're scary if you've got a cornfield. Uh, but a- anyway, um, they'll go from one tree to another, and we happened to go down to the Paraguay River, and we were going to go spend the day, and we sat down to have a picnic under this giant tree. <laughs> yeah, um, all these parrots just landed and when we looked up, there were nests. It wasn't just a landing tree. This was the nest tree, right? And they were just, they didn't care that we were under there. Normally, they don't stick around where people are. But they just sat there and had this joyful, fun, crazy, fun time. Um, Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven is like uh, the seed of mustard. And that lands in the ground, right? And then it grows and it becomes this great tree where birds come and rest. And when I think about this song um, we just sang, I sing of the goodness of God. What's neat about that is that you can be a parrot or a canary or a duck. doesn't really matter, right? It doesn't matter who you are. Uh, Jesus invites us into his kingdom no matter how different, and to just sit and sing. And that is the picture of Grace Community Church. This place has been has been a place of grace for our Hispanic brothers and sisters. And thank you. Um, (laughs) Ephesians 3.17 says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Go and be filled with the fullness of God. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.